How are you? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for showing up here in our hearts before we even came. Lord, thank you for preparing our hearts tonight to receive whatever word you may have. Father, you are a good God. You care about us. You care that we're kind of tired and weary right now. And you also care that we need more of you because we're just not satisfied with what we have. Holy Spirit, guide my words and let me only say what you want me to say. Father, prepare the hearts of those that hear this both here and on recording. And let them hear your truth in your way. I speak revelation power in the name of Jesus tonight. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. In Jesus' name. For the longest time, um, I have been very unsatisfied with the condition that I see our, not this church, but the church body in whole, with a seeming lack of power, um, the kind of power we see throughout the Bible, the kind of power that Jesus taught his disciples. And um, for the past few months, I've been asking, Lord, release this power into our body. And he, he said, basically, look at Scripture and look at doubt. And he says the reason that it is not being released is because the doubt and the unbelief. And that's a hard word. Uh, to receive sometimes. When, when you're rebuked by the Lord, sometimes it's a hard word to receive. But he took, me to, um, he took me to a preacher that I used to listen to, Andrew Walmack. Have you ever heard of him? Every day. And um, he revealed some things to me that I'd like to share with you tonight. Um, we all know where faith comes. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And the, the Lord was saying, well, where does doubt come from? Doubt is always attacking the word of God. Always. Wherever we go, it's attacking. So I started searching out the, the source of doubt. Where does it come from? How does it get into us? You know, I don't want doubt. I know you guys don't want doubt. Where does it come from? How is it so hidden in our lives that it is squashing the power that we all are seeking? Um, it's Wednesday night. Everybody's tired here. You guys are the radical ones. You guys are the ones that are hungry for the Lord. And so I think this word is going to be right for your heart. Um, if you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Genesis 2, 16 and 17, and there are notes in the back if you guys want them. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. It says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you will surely die. I said, Lord, they didn't die. They kept living. Adam lived for another 900 years or something. I said, what died? What died that day? And then he started, uh, Andrew Walmack um, sparked this thought that Adam actually saw the Spirit of God as he walked with him every evening in the Spirit with his heart. He was so attuned to the spirit world, or what I'm going to call the dimension or the world of faith, that it was more real to him than his 
physical world around him, the physical body that he was in. He walked with God, he heard God, he saw God, but God was a spirit. So there was a parallel world, a parallel dimension that we today, I think, have mostly been blinded to. Um, I'm here to talk about where doubt comes from, but first, let's take a look at what doubt attacks. Uh, Adam lived in a dimension of faith, a spirit. Um, I really can't prove that, but let me, let me get around this thought. Um, God is spirit. He walked with Adam. God spoke with Adam, so he had senses in this faith dimension, this world of faith. He have you guys seen things in the Spirit? Have you? Respond. Say yes. Have you heard things in the Spirit? Okay. So there is senses. Have you even smelled things? Has, I've heard of people smelling things in the Scripture. I think you had a testimony about that. Um, you, feel, you felt a touch on you. There are actual senses. Okay. Adam had faith senses. He saw God and he heard God. But when Adam ate of the fruit in sin, what died? Let's go to Genesis 3, 6, and 7. Genesis 3, 6, and 7. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now verse 7, listen closely. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. If you just go back a few verses to chapter 2, verse 25, it says, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So what opened their eyes? Why all of a sudden is like, uh, I'm naked. Could you imagine yourself out in public and you're just going about your day and picking up produce at Walmart and then boom, you're naked. That's what it kind of seems like. Their eyes were opened and they were naked and they were ashamed. And the Lord said to me at that point, he says, when they sinned, they shut the door to that faith dimension, that faith world. And all that was left was their physical world. And what they saw was what was there all the time. They were naked. And the, and, and the first thing they tried to do is cover their shame. Now, someone came along about 4,000 years later and opened up that curtain and gave us access to that spirit world again. How does, what does this have to do with doubt and unbelief? Right after that, they were kicked out of the garden, but more importantly, they were kicked out of God's presence. And his faith senses died. He could no longer see God. He could no longer hear God. He could no longer walk with God. And so what happens to a sense if we don't use it, right? What? We, we lose it, right? Let's go to 2 Kings 6, 14 and 17. 2 Kings 6, 14 and 17. What I'm trying to say here is that there is a dimension and a world that I'm going to call faith world or faith dimension um, that that is where we're needing to dwell and live, and less and less in this physical world. Second Kings 6, 14 and 17. Now let me give you a little background on this. King of Syria was attacking Israel, okay? And every time he attacked him, the king of Israel was right there to re-attack him. So much so that the king of Israel thought that he had a spy in his midst. He had a spy telling the king of Israel where they were going to be attacked. Okay, And one of his wise men says, no, there's no spy in our midst. There is this guy named Elisha, 
and he is a man of God, he hears God, and he informs the king of Israel where we're going to be attacked, or where we're going to attack. So the king of Syria told his general, he says, go and get this guy, Elijah. And in verse 14, therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now imagine if you're waking up in the morning, getting your coffee, look out the window, and you see thousands upon thousands of chariots and horses, or in our case, tanks and military men surrounding your house. What are you going to do? If you haven't gone to the bathroom already, you'd probably go then. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and he went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This was in the world of faith, in our dimension of faith. Right now in this room, you guys believe there are angels right amongst us? Do you believe there's demons right amongst us? All right? Is anybody having a hard time with that? Okay. Um, sort of like a TV. You know, when uh, the old TVs, when they had the uh, rabbit ears, the TV signal would be going through the air all the time, but you could only pick that up when you turned on the TV. We live in two dimensions, people. We live in this physical world and we live in a faith world. Both of them have senses. What are the senses? You guys tell me, what are the senses of the physical dimension? There's five of them, very easy. Sight, what? Smell, touch, taste, hearing, smelling. Okay. Now let's think about what the rules of the physical dimension are, the, the fallen world. What are its rules? What do they what, do, what are the rules or rule this world, such as fear? Does fear rule out here, right? You see it all over the place. You turn on a news program, and it's about what's about to happen. Claire and I have this funny saying that they'll have this little blurb for the 10 o'clock news about how this certain fabric has going to, you know, uh, brought uh, disease upon the whole world or how this one kitten killed all these kids or whatever. And as we just have the same, it's like, ah, everything's going to kill you. Okay, that's the, the only thing that they have is to sell is fear. What are the other rules of the physical dimension? What's out there? Look on the internet. Say it. Death, right? Anybody else? Disobedience. How about greed? Lust. Strife. Look at the shows out there. A, a show is not popular unless somebody's fighting amongst them. You're, they bring on characters that have bad attitudes and cause strife and contention and everything. That is a rule of this physical world. How about rudeness and anger and self-control and doubt? Okay. These are the... Um, this is what the rule... This is what the world has for us to offer us, okay, is living in this. Without Christ, that's what you have to look forward to. Now let's go into the faith dimension. What are the senses of the faith dimension? We talked about it earlier. Can you not see in this faith dimension? Okay, let's go to John 5.19. John 5.19. I'm going to read it real quick. John 5.19 for your notes. It says, The Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. Jesus was seeing and hearing His whole time of ministry here, but He was seeing and hearing in this faith dimension. 
All right? How did Jesus see the Father? He was in the faith dimension. And we see with our hearts. Now let's talk about what rules the faith dimension. We had greed and lust and fear and everything in the world's dimension, but what, what rules the faith dimension? Who, who can tell me? What is in the faith? Love? Okay. What else? Rest and peace. How about long-suffering? Anybody else? Compassion. Faithfulness almost sounds like the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you had a choice to be in one or two worlds, which one would you choose to be in? And this leads me to my big point tonight. Where does doubt live? Where does doubt live? In the physical world. Where does faith live? In the spirit world. The revelation to me was the biggest source of doubt in my life is where I choose to dwell. If I'm dwelling in this stew of the earth, of this world, of greed, of fear, of lust, of strife, of anger, then I'm going to be filled with doubt. I'm going to be filled with fear. I'm going to be fighting lust. I'm going to be fighting greed. But if I am dwelling like Adam dwelled in this world of faith, then believing is easy because it's right in front of you. You see it all the time. I have no problem believing that you guys are right in front of me because I'm seeing you. It's a matter of where am I dwelling um, let's, let's talk about my wife's favorite meal. I keep bringing her up. Pot roast. I'll go and get a really nice piece of meat. has nice marbling on it. Putting some spices in. Oh, yeah, can you smell it? Some, uh, some onion, some onion soup in there. Uh, some vegetables, carrots, potatoes. And, and then we just throw it in the microwave and it's done in two minutes. Huh? No. You put it in the crock pot, and it takes, what, a good eight hours at least. And it's a low, slow cook. And then we put on some crescent rolls in our house, and it fills the whole house with this wonderful, delicious smell. Claire will come home from work, ah, what is that smell? Wonderful. And to see the expression on her face as she sinks it uh, into that meal, okay, but what flavors are in that meat? Anybody? It's easy. Not a trick question. Everything that you put in the stew, right? There's a little of the carrot. There's a little of the onion. There's a little of the spices. That makes the flavor so rich and wonderful. Okay? That roast was dwelling, okay, and soaking in over time in a great environment. Now, think about that post ro uh, pot roast again. All right? Wonderful meat, marble just nicely, but we throw it in a sewer. And it's nice and warm, and it stays there for eight hours. And it takes all day to cook, and there's certain aromas that come out of the sewer. Anybody interested? So, Let's go back to our faith and our physical dimensions. Which one are you soaking in? Are you soaking in the world? Are you soaking in Facebook? Are you soaking? I used to be a big talk show listener and listen to uh, these news programs all day. And guess what I got all over me? Huh? The sewer. It was critical. It was fearful. There was no trust. Oh, they're going to get you. All oh, these bad guys over here and these bad guys over here. 
And the Lord kind of finally said, you know what, you stink enough, get out of it. So what did I do? I turned it off. Okay? I don't listen to it anymore. If I want to get my news, I read maybe some headlines, and that's about it. Question to you, where are you soaking? Where are you dwelling? Well, I just like a, a little bit of these bad shows. So what if I took my nice pot roast that had all the onions and the carrots and the wonderful crescent rolls, and I just took a little of the sewer and put it into the pot roast? Who's interested? Huh? No. A little will spoil the whole meal. So where's doubt in this? It's in the sewer. Where's faith in this? It's in the wonderful crock pot. Where are you soaking? Where are you dwelling? The reason Adam was operating in the faith dimension is because he had access and he dwelt there. Remember the scripture he said every evening in the cool of the evening he walked with God. All right? He, it was his life. That's what he knew. So when he sinned and that faith world was shut, he was shocked at what was around him. Just this, and it was shameful. The reason Elijah was seeing armies of the Lord is because he was dwelling there. Now, I have a prayer tonight for you guys, okay? And um, my prayer is that your eyes are opened, just like Elijah's servant. They are open to see what is around us in this faith world so that you can be more interested in the faith world than in this physical world. Okay, let's talk about operating in this faith dimension. Okay? In my family, we have a saying, we're going to do our work in the Spirit first. We learned a long time ago that if there isn't peace in our house, it's because we haven't done our spirit work. Okay? The Lord showed me a vision of me one time in the spirit world, and I was on a park bench, and I was relaxed, sitting back, legs crossed, just chilling. And there was all kinds of traffic and war going all around me, and I was just chilling. And the Spirit came up to me and said, Hey, get up, get off, and get in the fight, and start taking your authority. Start doing the war in the Spirit. So, when there is a problem in our physical world, Claire and I will go do our spirit work first. Okay? We do spirit work over our children all the time. We get in the spirit and we are commanding protection. But at the same time in the physical world, we'll tell them, look both ways before you cross the street. Don't talk to strangers. Things like that. In the spirit world, we will command health. Okay? We rebuke the enemy. We come against cold season. I don't believe in cold season. Okay? It is not a season for me to get a cold. It is a season for me to be healthy all the time. Amen? I don't believe in a poverty spirit. I believe it's a lying spirit. Okay? But where do you see that, sister? Where do you see that lying spirit? In the spirit world. All right? Because it's been lying to us in this physical world, and we've been buying it. And I tell that poverty spirit to shut up. I'm going to get my wonderful ideas of, of uh, wealth and prosperity from the Lord. That's what dwells in the in the world of faith, okay? Um, so, again, another challenge for you all is if you have a problem, I want you to think of a problem right now that you may have. Lack of a job, maybe not a good relationship with a spouse, a lack of peace, a health problem. And then ask the Lord, Lord, show me what that looks like right now in the Spirit. Show me what, um, what spirit is attacking me physically. And he will. He will be faithful to you. Um, 
I asked the Lord to show me something a little bit scary in the spirit, and it was a spirit of pornography. I believe it is a spirit. I believe it is um, a spirit that puts shame on so many Christians that they don't want to talk about it, but I'm not going to live in that world. And he showed me what this spirit looked like. And it was like the blackest tar that you could imagine. And it came up kind of in the form of a huge, gigantic worm slash snake. And out of the back of this head came a scorpion's stinger. Okay? And it was face to face, and it reached around my head and stung me right there in the back of the neck, right in my, uh, the back of the neck where my, uh, what is this, the medulla oblongata or whatever it is, back here, okay? And it put a toxin in me, this toxin of lustful pleasure. And while that toxin was going and, and coursing through my body, that spirit opened up his mouth and started eating on my face right here. But I was so drugged with this drug of pornography that I couldn't stop him eating. He says that's what pornography does. It poisons your body, and then it eats you from the outside in. And I said, Lord, how do we stop this? He says, rebuke it right now. Talk to it. I said, okay, I rebuke you, spirit. Boom, immediately, through the authority of Christ, that, that stinger came out, and he stopped eating. And then he said, walk away. Just walk away. Don't even get close. See, this spirit wasn't a very fast spirit. It couldn't chase you down. You had to go to it. And my point is that if you will allow the Spirit of God to show you what the, the faith dimension is, you will be astonished on what kind of authority we have through Christ. Now, with a show of hands, who would like to see more in the Spirit? Amen. And with that act of faith, I'm going to claim that. Now, don't be afraid of it. You may see some scary things that will freak you out a little bit. But you also, I'm going to pray that you see yourself as Christ sees you. There was one time I was sitting right over there. I was in worship. I was in this dimension of faith. And I saw myself in the Spirit. Okay? And I was up here, I was about 6'2", legs fully developed, I was dancing, and guess who I was dancing with? You guys probably already heard this story, I was dancing with Jesus. And he was a short little Jewish guy. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And we were having a great time in the presence of the Lord. Okay, And I saw myself, it was a, it was a song that was about dancing and whatever, and I just was in the spirit, and I saw myself dancing. And then later on, while I was doing warfare, I saw myself in full military garb. And I was going out there, and I was taking back what was rightfully mine. I'm asking you guys to consider asking the Lord to show you who, what you look like in this faith world. And that will help your, your spiritual walk when you are fighting some physical world problems. Um, like depression. I fought with depression for a long time. But the Lord showed me that the depression was centered around my selfishness, was centered around my self-focus, was centered around what I didn't have or something bad that happened to me. These things are all real. Bad things happened to me. Things didn't go my way. 
And the Lord commanded me, he said, start being thankful right now. Thank him for the little things. Okay, Lord, um, I'm thanking you for the four walls around me. I'm thanking you that I have breath in my lungs right now. And I started getting into one small thing after the other. And guess what happened after I was in that for about an hour, thanking him for the smallest little things, that depression broke. Because my eyes were off of me now, and it was in the spirit and on all the things that God had provided for me. If you guys are having trouble with depression, I, I encourage you to try that. It is not a feeling thing. It is a choice thing. It is a faith dimension thing. It is not a physical thing. Um, word says we wrestle not against what? But against what? And guess where we wrestle? Where do we wrestle? In faith. In this faith world. We go up and face that demon face to face and say, you are not more powerful than I am. Disease, you are not more powerful than the Christ in me. I rebuke you and I shut you up. And you do that in the Spirit. And you're going to see examples coming forth in this physical world. All right, let's talk about physical talk versus faith talk. Again, this is all around doubt. What are some things when we uh, what are some things we say when we're living in the world of doubt? I can't. God, it's hard. The worst is Murphy's law. Oh, something good just happened, so something bad must is going to happen now. That's doubt talk. Why me? What have I done to deserve this? I can't change. Boy, these are coming fast. <laughs> like somebody said this to themselves already. I'm not worthy. I'm just a poor little pitiful me. Sitting in the back of the church. Hope nobody sees me. I'm no good at it. I can't do it. Right? How about money? I'm what? <laughs> Broke, busted, and disgusted. I can't afford it. Right? When I say we need to uh, spend more time in the faith world, you say, I don't have time. I'm always tired. Or I don't want to change my lifestyle. I'm comfortable with my life going downhill at 100 miles an hour. Right? How about the, the winds in your hair? You're making good time. Boom. How about this one? I don't want to take that responsibility. All right? Um, how about this is a big one. That if I do that, that'll make me out of control. Uh, I won't be in control if I let this go. If I submit to this person, I'll be out of control. Um, and like uh, Brother Ray was talking on Sunday with Gideon, he asked three questions. Why me? Where is God? And how can God use me? All right, now let's say we're living in this faith world, okay? We're in faith world this dimension we can see god we can hear god we can touch we can walk amongst the demons and the angels we have authority we're telling the demons where to go and we are commanding um commanding our provision and our blessing what kind of words would we use in faith world i can do all things what else nothing is impossible faith work Good one. Say that one more time. Now that's faith talk right there. All right. I am healed. I am worthy. Say it again, Candace. That's right. 
right. Our God shall abundantly supply. More than enough. Overflowing. All right. Why would you have an overflow? So that you can give it out. Right? We're not meant to be a cup. We're meant to be a conduit. Comes in and it goes out. I'm a king's kid. Who's in charge in faith world? Right. And who has he given dominion? Us. So who's responsible for taking authority? Us. We are responsible, not, oh God, would you go please and fix this problem? He says, no, I've given you authority, you go clean up the mess. Well, let's go uh, call, talk to Pastor Ray and maybe he'll pray over something. No, it's us people, all right? We are in this faith world. And we have the authority. That means we have the responsibility. If you have a car, you have two things, a responsibility and a privilege, right? But with one or the other, if you don't take responsibility, you're going to lose that car very quickly. I have teenage kids, if you can't tell. God said it. I believe it. That's more faith talk. We've already won. He is a good God. Anybody else fight with that for the longest time? He's a good God? I sure did. I thought, you know, if I don't behave and toe the line, man, the hammer's going to come down. That's not how he operates in faith world. He loves us. Do we blow it? Yes. But we have provision for that. Several of you know that um, I am recently employed. Amen? Two months now. It's kind of weird for me to get a regular paycheck, but I'll get used to it. Um, in 1990, I left the mission field. I was in the Pacific working in a radio station, and I left in a bad way. God had put a call on my life to do radio on the mission field to train others to do radio and to start small radio stations throughout the Pacific bringing the Word of God to people. I was about uh, 25, 26 years old. It's been about six years out there. And then I thought it would be a good idea to do something else. And I went uh, and got back into school for video production. God had not called me to video production. God's blessing and authority was on me for radio. It took about nine months or so, and my whole world came crashing down, because when God's not in it, guess what? It's going to fail. All right. Uh, if you don't put God as the builder and the foundation of your house, it'll fail. Since then, that was in uh, 91 when I came back here. The Lord, on the financial side of it, I have tried so many different businesses, different jobs. I was hired at this one natural gas company as a salesman. And, what was it, a year after I... I started, the whole company folded, was sold out. Um, went to school and finished my video production education, which I thought was the smart thing to do, and got a job, and nine months later, uh, but the company that I was working with had 200 people, and nine months later it was down to nine, and I was one of the ones that were fired. And the whole tech bubble burst. You guys remember that tech bubble around 2000 or so. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm good with my hands, I'm handy. I got into construction. Uh, started a company with another fellow. And uh, this is another, just a side note, never get 
in, comp- in, in business with somebody that is not a believer. Right? Do not be unequally yoked. Even if he's smart and has money and knows what he's doing, do not be unequally yoked. Well, I wasn't listening to that. I got in business with this guy. We were commercial framers. Uh, I would make the bids up, get the business. He would go out and build the buildings. It was going well until our first quarter, and our first quarter taxes were due. And so I started making the tax reports, and he says, what are you doing? I says, I'm filling out our taxes. We've got to file our tax quarterly reports and pay our taxes. He says, no, we're not. I said, okay, we are uh, registered and licensed with the state. All right? We have a corporation. They are going to want their piece of the pie. He says, I haven't paid taxes in 10 years. And I'm not going to start now. So I said, okay, got some uh, advice on it and basically left the company, told the IRS what was going on, and that company failed. There was a joke for a while that if I wanted a company to fail, I should go and get a job there. So I started looking at companies that I don't like, you know, and would you hire me? I'll be happy to crush your whole company. The point was, um, I had small jobs here and there, but I had nothing solid. Am I right in this? Since 1990. The Lord brought me good things. He brought me this wonderful wife. That's another story. He brought me uh, a house to live in that was paid off, that my grandfather paid for. I wasn't starving, I wasn't out on the street, but I had As a man, you guys know that your identity is really wrapped up in what you do. And if you don't have anything to do, it is the equivalent of a woman having a miscarriage over and over and over, and you can't produce children. So I brought this to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I've tried. Uh, I've tried for over 20 years, and I can't do it. And he says, good. Now let me do it. And his word to me was, I will bring it to you. I heard that with my faith sense in the faith dimension. That was the word of the Lord to me. And then he had me go through steps of obedience. Okay, Many times he will have us, remember on Sunday you put your rock on the stone, uh, put your meat right on the stone. It made no sense but you do it anyway, a step of obedience. He had me going to these schools and had me doing all these things. And the school was very difficult, and there were tests coming up, and I saw how many people were failing it, and it was an expensive test. And guess what God in my heart? Doubt. God said he would bring it to me. And I was looking at the real world here, the physical world, and I say, there's no way. How in the world am I going to get a job? I can't pass these courses. These are the most difficult courses I've ever taken. And across the, across the industry, do you guys know what a project management professional course is? It, PMP. It's very, very difficult, and that was what I was in. Um, I was putting hour upon hour of studying this, and I still wasn't getting it. And Claire can, can test, attest that I was very frustrated. But where was I living? Where was I getting my doubt from? What? The world, the physical world. It's hard. So many people fail it the first time. It's expensive. You'll never do it. You don't have the experience. Doubt words, doubt words, doubt words, doubt words. And what got in my heart? Doubt. And then the Lord gave me a very hard word, and I hope I don't offend anybody on what I'm about to say, but it was for me. It was directed at me. And he said, James, do not commit spiritual abortion. And then he showed me a vision in this this faith world that his word was sort of like a package that came out of his mouth. And as it came out of his mouth and to my heart, it was constantly attacked by demons, doubt demons. And as it got in my heart, sort of like a, 
like the seed in the, in the womb of a woman. All right? I felt that word. I knew it was truth. I knew it was in me and it was growing. But it took time. And during that pregnancy of this word, there were doubt things. It was hard. It was uncomfortable. He had me going through uh, different things that I didn't understand. And my wife tells me that the hardest month of a pregnancy is the ninth month, the very end, where there's so much pressure and there's so much, you're so uncomfortable all the time and the sciatic nerve is acting up and you're just feeling miserable, all right? And it was at that time when I was pregnant with this word that I thought, I can't do it. It's too hard. God says, do not kill my word that I have put in your heart through doubt. And so I started, I chose. This was not a feeling thing. It was a choice thing. I said, okay, God, I'm going to start talking faith words. You said it, God. Your word was, you'll bring it to me, so you're going to bring it to me. And I started repeating those words, even though I had a hard time at the beginning even believing it. But I kept saying it over and over again. And there's words that God has spoken to you that you are still pregnant with, that you haven't seen fulfilled yet. And my word to you is live in that faith dimension. Look at faith things. Hear faith things. Touch faith things. And more importantly, remind yourself, what did God say? He is a good husband of his word. And when the time is right, and you never know it, mothers, right? That water breaks, the delivery starts, and you have a new life. That thing that God promised. Now, once you have the baby, all the work is over, right? No. A new work begins. A new work of nurturing that word, of feeding it, of protecting it. It's, the devil still wants to kill it. It's a... What? You got a job? Well, you'll probably fail at it. You'll probably, these are the things that came to me. You'll probably destroy this company too, just like you did the other ones. I said, no, it's a different daddy. All those other babies that I tried to have came from me. But this one came from the good daddy, came from the good father. He invested in my heart this word, and it was his idea and his DNA and so it's going to live, okay? And this time, for the first time since 1990, 1991, this baby, this word, this job will live and grow and mature and be a blessing and deliver on what God said. Oh, I wish I had more time. Uh, one more quick story. Jonathan, in April of 2012, got a call from the um, school nurse. Jonathan's not doing good. He was texting me, garbled up stuff. Went over to the school, and he was presenting like he was having a stroke. He was 14 years old at the time. Very uncommon. Ran him, uh, went and got Claire, ran him to the emergency room, and it, instantly the whole emergency room just exploded in activity, and they were throwing him in this machine and that machine, and the doctors all said, yes, he's having a stroke. Call the helicopter, the care flight. We're going to get him down to Children's Hospital immediately. Um, sometimes our faith is attacked with force. Okay? God promised me that son. One of the things that God... Don't make me cry. One of the things God promised me when I met Claire, God's word to me was, she was the one that will bear your son. That was the word to me. So I knew I was to marry her. God, uh, Jonathan is a yielding of God's promise again. And now Satan was trying to attack him on this weird stroke when you're 14. Um, so Claire's in the helicopter flying to Children's Hospital. I'm in the car 
flying towards Children's Hospital. And I, I chose to be in the Spirit. There was zero emotional decision in that. All my emotion was wrapped up in the physical world of my 14-year-old boy. Is, is he going to die? Is he going to be paralyzed? Is he going to be... What's going on? Talk about freak out city. But I chose to force myself into the faith world. And I found that demon that was trying to take my son. And I said, no, you will not take my son. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. There was zero feeling behind that. I was, all my feeling was on the other side. It was like a hurricane of wind coming against me. And I looked right into it and I said, no. I take authority in the name of Jesus, stroke, you stop doing what you're doing, and reverse, and I command healing onto my son. I did the work in the faith world. I didn't see it yet in the physical world. As I got to Children's and I was walking into the hospital, the Spirit said very clearly, okay, it's done. And right then, the effects of the stroke not only stopped, but were reversed. They did all of these tests. I don't know the names of them, the EKG and the... I mean, they had two days of tests, and they couldn't find any, uh, anything that showed that he had a stroke. He was perfectly healthy. And I'm telling you that this faith walk, many times, is not emotional. It is a choice that you have to take. Your world is falling down on you. Let's look at this uh, sources of doubt. Do you have that on your... This is what I was preparing the whole message for. When the Lord gives you a word, something that will directly challenge what God's word says. This is a source of doubt. Satan came to Eve and said, did God really say... Did God really intend for you not to, know, to eat this fruit? A source of doubt. Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus has just been baptized. Holy Spirit rested on his head like a dove, and a word came out of heaven that says, Behold my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Devil gets him out, or uh, he's out in the wilderness, and what did, what did Satan say? If you are the Son of God. Then you do all these things and prove it. He challenged God's Word directly. Number two, walk, a source of doubt is when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I call this time in hell. You're in the valley, and it's the shadow of death. When I was driving towards the hospital, I was in the shadow of death. That is a source of doubt when all hell seems like it has broken out on you. When I was in my ninth month of this, this pregnancy of God delivering this word, that was the hardest time. Everything was saying, no, it's not going to happen. But what do mothers do? They endure. All right? Claire, I'm sorry I'm using you a lot, but you're the one closest to me. Jonathan took 31 hours in delivery to get here. She knew exhaustion. She said, I can't, I can't. Pascal got a word uh, in, in uh, January. He says the Lord said he was going to give him a house, right? And that word took time to develop, just like a child in the womb. And many times you need a, um, a godly man or a woman to come along and say, it's going to be okay. When Claire was in her delivery with Jonathan, she said, I can't, I can't. And I was there. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I, can. I was helping. Bring along another strong brother or sister in Christ to help you. Number three, sources of doubt. Where am I allowing myself to dwell? If I am dwelling in the sewer, I'm going to have doubt all over me. If I'm dwelling in the faith world, I'm going to be seeing and hearing and touching faith all the time. 
Okay? You're going to fall back on your training. You're going to fall back when the war comes. You're going to fall back on what you've been dwelling in. Number four, the circumstances. I want you guys to look at me here in the physical world. Do I look like I am fully whole and healthy and, and able to walk around? No. Is it true? Yes. But is it truth? No. It is true, physical, versus truth, faith world. In the faith world, you guys have seen me. Many people have come up to me. I've seen you in the Spirit. You are walking, my sister right here, just a couple of weeks ago. I saw you in the Spirit, and you're walking. It's like, yep, join the crowd. Everybody sees me in the Spirit. Now, how do you see your life in the Spirit? That is truth. This physical down here, it may be true that you're fighting a disease or poverty or something, but that's not truth. You talk truth, truth, faith words. What will you choose to believe? Okay? The faith dimension, hear me, is a place of will. When I was being attacked by Jonathan Stroke, I chose my will to choose faith. There was no emotion behind it. You choose wealth over poverty. You choose health over disease. You choose victory in your marriage instead of division. Now, in the real world, is there still division? Yes, but husbands, you fight in the spirit against those divisive spirits that are trying to divide your marriage or your friendship or your relationship at work. I've done that many times with my wife, and my wife has done that for me. We've gone to the Spirit and did our fighting and not on each other. Let the Lord do the changing, but you take your authority and you rebuke the enemy off of them. Those lies, those deceptions, those discouragements, those depressions. Do your work in the Spirit. Number five, experts say it can't be done. That's a source of doubt. Doctor says you're going to die. Economy says, oh, we're all going to hell and we're going to be living on the streets. Experts say the government is going to crash and burn. That's not faith talk. That's, that's world talk. Number six, a source of doubt, you don't know God. You need to go and know Him. He is a good God. Number seven, you are not sure of what God's Word is to you. My word was, James, I will bring you the job. That's the Word of God, and that is the only thing that I had to rely on when I was attacked. God said, I will bring you the job. Okay. Well, guess what? The end of the story is a cousin called me and says, you know, what are you doing and whatever. Uh, well, I'm in studying this PMP thing. Oh, really? I need somebody just like you. It's like, well, I haven't passed the test. Well, finish up your studies and, and uh, go and take the test. The day, <laughs> the day I went and I took the test, and guess what? I failed it. And he says, call me right after you take the test. So I'm on the phone. It's like, man, I failed this test. He said, that's okay, I want to hire you anyway. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Oh, project management stuff. God went right through all of the doubt words and gave me this job, staying at home, working in my pajamas. Yeah. And uh, it's still difficult though, right, Claire? It's in, a, it's in an industry that I'm not familiar with, but I'm, that baby is young, just like a young mother. You're not sure exactly what to do and how to do it. And I'm crying out to God again, Lord, how do I raise this young child called this job? And every day I need a new grace for it. All right, I've got to close on this. When God's word is challenged, that means the word that he has given to you, when it is challenged by doubt, number one, remind yourself, over and over and over, what did God say? Number two, find a strong brother and sister in the Lord to join with you, just like Pascal. He found David and Kim, and David and Kim 
was in this dimension of faith and they saw this house and they re-reminded Pascal of what God's original world word was and now Pascal has this house. Number three, when having done all, stand. I've done it all, Lord. It's like, okay, now stand there and believe it. It will come. 31 hours of, deli of delivery for a child. After you've done all, it's still going to come. Number four, pronounce and proclaim faith words. That will kill doubt faster than anything. It will also kill depression. It will also kill strife in your marriage. It will also kill um, doubt and unbelief. Proclaim it. Pronounce it. Do your work in the faith world. Number five, bind the enemy and your flesh and tell them to shut up. You have authority over the devil. James 1, I believe it is, if you submit yourself to the Lord. Right? What can you do with the devil? Resist him. And he what? He has to flee. We have authority, people. In the faith world, it's, not, it's really not that hard. You don't have to work yourself up for it. Have five hours of worship music and do all these seminars before. No, Lord, I submit to you. Devil, go. Now. And he has to. It's a law of the Spirit. He has to flee from you. Tell him to shut up. You got some homework here. Last two things. Write down what is God's word to me. And I'm talking specific. I'm not saying the Bible. A rhema word. What did God say to me? Write it down. It may be several things. And then number two, where am I allowing doubt in? Am I soaking in this sewer of doubt? Am I allowing things in my mind that are propagating this doubt? Am I stewing in it? And then stop it and get in the faith world. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for being a good God. Lord, I have so many examples of your word being fulfilled in my life. You are a good God. You say it, and I walk through it, and it is going to happen. I release a spirit of faith on these people that they can see who they are in the Spirit. Show them what they look like in the Spirit. Lord, show them the sources of doubt that they have allowed in their mind. Father, give them the courage to get out of the stew of the sewer. Let them choose faith words over doubt words. I thank you, Father, for making us not just strong in the faith, but strong against doubt. You know, it only takes a mustard seed size of faith to move a mountain. It's the doubt that's squashing that mustard seed. And now, Lord, we choose to get that doubt off of our mustard seed, and we choose to release faith in this place, in, this, in our hearts, in our cities. Thank you for being a good God, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.